This is Noel Tenney speaking for the Upshur County Historical Society, and we're here on Main Street in Buchanan, West Virginia. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the historic landscape and how to read the landscape as you walk about. Um, we're in front of the courthouse, which is the second courthouse that Upshur County has had since 1851. The first was built finally completed by 1855 in the spring just in time for a major fire that did a great deal of destruction and damage to the um, to the courthouse building in October of the same year. In fact, it was listed as the, the worst damaged building and about a third of all Main Street was destroyed at that time. Fires have been very destructive on Main Street over the years and there are certain sections there are few sections actually on Main Street that haven't been touched in some way by fire. So when you look at buildings, you'll try to uh, understand why some of them are built with different style or different building materials. And uh, the same thing with the courthouse. The courthouse after that fire was redesigned and reconstructed and, and redone whatever needed to be done to make it usable. But then just in a few years came along the Civil War, and the Civil War in Buchanan was one of exchange, constantly changing back and forth between North and South. And they used the courthouse as a public building to um, house troops, to have public meetings, to, uh, to vote, to do different things like that. And um, it had been used by the public even before that as a public meeting house. There was no other large building. But it was heavily damaged again during the war years, and it continued to deteriorate until the end of the 1900s. It was in pretty fragile condition, and so the uh, county government decided to to go ahead with a new building, which is the classical neoclassical building that we have today. It was built, <clears throat> started in 1899, and it was completed in about a year and a half or so. It only cost $36,000 to build. Not long ago, they did $800,000 of restoration to it. So you can see that a building of a different era, which is very ornate and has lots of interesting uh, decorative quality to it, and has been voted as the second most beautiful courthouse in West Virginia. I can't remember where the first one was, quite frankly, because I didn't pay any attention after we were only the second. But when we walk up Main Street, um, we can look across the way. One of our interesting things is an advertising sign that's still available and, and readable on the, um, the side of the T.J. Farnsworth building. And it's next to us at the Historical Society, so we like it. We've had to fight to keep people from going up there to paint over it or to touch it up or to restore it do all kinds of things. And right now we're doing, we're doing some research into Mr. Roraba's undertaking and furniture. Almost all the undertakers of that time were also in the furniture business. I guess if they built coffins, they could build a table or a chair just as easily. The annex is here from only in recent years, and it was because um, there was a fire in this block, and one of the most noted landmarks was the um, Rainbow Restaurant which was quite an interesting place. I remember it well because it was the first time I ever had a banana split at the Rainbow Restaurant. Well, I lived in the country. We didn't come to town as often as 
you know, local people, that block across the street from the corner here where the arched um, arcade is to the corner is one of the few existing early blocks of the of town. It did not, there was a fire here from the corner and actually got a building on the other side of Locust Street and it came all the way up to possibly as far as uh, that Foss Stone building where that little little barrier is, that little doorway. There seemed to be some kind of a barrier, uh, an open space, so it controlled the fire. But that was in, in the 1890s, and um, so it was a pretty destructive fire as well. Uh, there were some interesting people in business on that side, and um, it had different kinds of... Um, you know, it was mostly, according to the 1879 map, I think, there was a few businesses along there that were mostly of that era, general merchandise or um, gentlemen's furnishings or whatever it might be. Although the little building where we are, there at 29 West Main Street, was actually a part of the alley for a while. Then it became an arcade, and it was actually a moving picture house very early in the 20th century. We believe it was called the Hippodrome. Um, an interesting thing here was before the fire, Mr. James Davis, he was an African-American, was in business on Main Street in Buchanan. And after the fire, then he occupied parts of this building here then, um, which was rebuilt, you know, after Eight, the 1890s, the mid-1890s, and he had an ice cream shop and a candy shop and I, I suppose general merchandise as well. But there were other buildings along here that were destroyed by fire, and that was in the 1970s, I believe. One of the tragedies was that the public library out of Tenerton, the Upshur County Public Library, was being rebuilt, and they had stored a lot of their books there, which were heavily damaged um, by fire. But this is one of the oldest sections, and you can see it's dated 1888 uh, on the, the um, building there. And that's about as early as we get. We have one photograph that West Virginia University has in their collection of Main Street in the 1880s. And that's the earliest Main Street photograph we have. We have lots uh, in the early 20th century. And um, as things started to change, for example, here's our tall skyscraper here on the left. It looks very big when you're walking this way, but when you get up on the other side of it, it's just a little narrow building. That was built as a bank building in about 1911, I believe. And um, so it was one of the most modern, large buildings that, that made its way on, on the main street. Now, underneath the facade of the First Community Bank is actually a beautiful old bank building. Unfortunately, you know, when the 1950s rolled around and everybody started in the 1960s started using um, atomized aluminum and everything else, they covered it up, just as like the building across here is a beautiful old building. That was uh, an interesting building uh, as far as occupants at one time. In the early 20th century, Mr. Simon Levenstein was um, a Russian Jewish individual who came here as a peddler actually in Dupshire County and walked about and they took him in down at Lawrence and he loved this place. He was from Baltimore and so he decided to come here and establish a business which he did, a men's and women's clothing store. And, um, and he was in business for probably 
at least 30 or 40 years in this uh, building. And we have wonderful film footage <clears throat> that shows um, a lot of the merchants coming out of their place of business. So Mr. Levenstein was one of the important ones. And over on the other side, we'll talk about Geo Young. But there is a beautiful building underneath this. If you look down Canal Street, down toward the depot, originally this was called Depot Street down that way. The blue building is one of the oldest buildings on that street. It was an old hotel. It's a pre-Civil War hotel. It's the only one. The other one, Bax's Hotel, dates to the 1880s. And so it's pretty old too. And just on the other side of the Baxter Hotel is where the Grand Opera House sat. And it burned um, in the 1960s, I believe, late 60s, early 70s. Okay, we'll cross up. And then, so this this uh, area developed in segments. Actually, some of these buildings down this way are a little older, and then it kind of built from the center. Uh, the one there where the Chamber and Visitor Center is, is probably the oldest structure. It's a very pretty facade. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it has been restored, so it looks pretty good. The, um, I don't know whether we've ever stepped inside Miller's Pharmacy, but if you haven't, you should. Well, it's, it's a beautiful building. Geo Young's drugstore started there in about 1910 or something. He never owned the building. He only owned it from wall to wall. But it's beautiful Tiffany imported glass and tables, glass tables that people remembered and, and um, uh, Hornet's Nest um, globed lantern uh, shades from the Tiffany collection. And it's still very much a pretty interior. And I'm glad that um, I, I hate to see what might happen to it in the future, but it's such a beautiful interior and it's one of our most um, important. At one time, there was a gigantic sign, electric lighted sign, that hung against the wall there, yeah. And it was supposedly the largest uh, electric sign between Washington and Chicago. Now, I don't know how many people got out to measure all these places, but he didn't burn it very often because there were like 15,000 light bulbs on it. And so he couldn't afford to turn it on. But he did have his own ice cream making machine and apparatus and he had a power plant in the basement, and he sold um, not only uh, pharmaceuticals, but he also sold patent medicines that he, he concocted, and school supplies, so he was a very busy individual. And he was the one that, that made several trips to Alaska and wrote a wonderful text called The um, Alaskan Trophies, Lost and Won and Lost, because they took all these animal trophies and uh, kind of, um, I don't know, I guess justifiably in return, they had a boat accident and lost them all in the river. So they, did, they saved one or two, I think, to bring back home. So a lot of these buildings date to, you know, to the early 20th century. And um, I like it when, when people put their name on their building. I guess it was an egotistical thing to do, but it helps us to look at it and, and see it in different ways. You know, this stretch of Main Street from the courthouse to City Hall, which was originally the post office, uh, it was built in the teens and it served as the post office until the 1960s, and then it became City Hall. This part, that part of Main Street was the part that we're celebrating in 2016, the laying out of the town 200 years ago. 
a man by the name of Robert Patton Jr. had bought land in this area from some of the original settlers. After all, there were settlers here since the, um, the 1770s, late 60s, early 70s. And, and one of them was uh, Elizabeth Cummins Jackson, an English lady who evidently had the money in the house because supposedly she paid for her land in gold. But she owned this land that um, was pretty much all of this area and their home set over on the island. That's where the settlement was along the river, but not here. I don't know why this hadn't been chosen. Um, evidently somebody liked it because they had planted an orchard because when Mr. Patton sold his 30 lots here, mostly for like $25 a lot, um, they were local people that bought them. They staked them off, surveyed and staked them off. Mr. Patton evidently wasn't a good businessman. He was from Alexandria, Virginia. He was another speculator. They were all speculators. But he had his father-in-law in Clarksburg, who was kind of a local agent for him. But he didn't do very well selling his land, his lots, and he only sold, actually he had already sold them before he even petitioned the, the, the Virginia legislature to lay out the land. So, but he didn't sell any more of them. And then he sold all of his property, which was quite a bit of property, several hundred acres, to people in New York, a couple men in New York. That's how somehow the Farnsworth family, who was from Staten Island, New York, got a hold of land here. And they bought land here and several thousand acres in uh, Pocahontas County, which is now Pocahontas County, West Virginia. And so anyway, this property, this, this, this whole laying out of land, if you can imagine where we're walking, was just a field. You know, it had no street or anything, although they had designated a space for a street, but there were no needs for streets in 1816. And um, it wasn't until 1821, when the Farnsworth, uh, uh, Farnsworth family arrived from, the, from New York, that they built the first house on what is now Main Street in 1821. It set down, I'll point that out when we get a little further down, it burned in the fire of 1919, and people couldn't understand why it was taking so long to, to burn. And then they started seeing fire running across horizontally, and they realized it was a log structure, a very large log structure. And so it did take a long time to, to burn. But if you were walking down this street in 2016, you might see a few stakes left, but I doubt it, because soon the grass grew over everything. And after the Farnsworth came and they got the rest of the lots as a part of the deal, they, they built a, a house on their acreage and started doing other things and the people that owned the original lots got scared, so they had to have it surveyed again. And after that, a few houses started, but it wasn't really until well up into the 1840s uh, that we saw much construction on Main Street. Right across the street here, uh, where the Chase Bank is today, is where the old hotel stood. It was a pre-Civil War hotel. On the corner was a house. Uh, it was actually moved to the front of the corner after the war. It was a big brick house, and it's the house that that Sylvester Phillips and his wife, Marcia Sumner Phillips, occupied. And they were New Englanders that had come here with the, the early settlements, the migration, after 1801. She's the one that kept the diary during the war. Her husband was attached to General McClellan, who came here in July of the 
first of the war uh, in 1861 as they were going on their way to what would become the Battle of Rich Mountain. And Sylvester Phillips, he was a captain, was assigned as a personal attache to General McClellan. So um, Marcia writes a lot about that. She's very literate and very melancholy at the same time. And uh, so she's always talking. And we did publish her diary, which we found the original. We had seen transcribed copies before, but we found the original on eBay some years ago in Colorado. And we, did, we do now own it, and it is in our, um, you know, in our repository. But <clears throat> she lived on the corner. She made one mistake in her diary. Um, ordinarily, people don't publish diaries while it's ongoing. But there was another guy, Mr. Bird, was publishing his, uh, his, his accounts of, of the early war years. And so she got a little section in the back of his book called The um, Memory or the Words of a, of a Soldier's Wife or something. Well, <clears throat> she talks about after the Battle of Rich Mountain, which was a Union victory, that Sylvester found a little trunk of clothes belonging to a Confederate soldier on the battlefield. He brought them home and gave them to his wife. Now, I don't know if that would be a great treasure in my mind or not, but he did. And so then she published that part of her diary that she talks about it. For the end of the war, actually in a couple years, <laughs> this Confederate soldier wasn't killed. He just ran off the battlefield, evidently, or maybe he was chased off. And so he had read in this volume that circulated already that this woman had his clothes and he came back and approached her on them. I don't know whether she gave them back or not. She talks about it though in both times so it's kind of an interesting little story. But uh, the, uh, the hotel was a very busy place here. It was called the Valley House and New Valley House and it was called by many names. Every time it uh, changed management it it um, changed um, names along with it. Right in the corner, there was an interesting little building before the bank expanded. The hotel didn't come quite over and there was a little bit of a space that might've been 20 feet wide right there against the Stockard building where George Lulis, he was a Greek immigrant, had a restaurant and everybody went to the Liberty Lunch to eat um, hot dogs, you know. He eventually moved down the street when the, um, when the bank, um, came from the corner. They were in that skyscraper building, the First National Bank was, and, and the um, or Central National Bank, excuse me. And so they then, when they wanted, needed a bigger space, so they moved here um, and tore down the old hotel and built this new bank. So none of the old hotel is still here. The old house is gone now on the corner where she kept her diary. There were grand houses along here. There were two houses, the Tilson Jenny house set here and the Rigger house, or the, the, no, the Farnsworth house set here. And it was in the Jennison Tilly. Tillerson Janney was a Southern sympathizer during the Civil War. And he ran off to the Virginia Valley, left his house, and it became the headquarters for each, every troop that came and went. So she talks about sitting there, looking across, seeing the lights in the house at different times, and wondering whether it was, or knowing that it was not Union or it was Union, and whether it was Confederate or not. So anyway, this is an interesting corner of the uptown too. If you look down Spring Street this way, the White House that's under restoration there is the Colonel Latham House. And uh, he was uh, big in the Civil War, but he wasn't, he was from Grafton originally. He had, didn't come to Buchanan until after the war. Um, 
as soon as he came, shortly after the war, then he was appointed consul to Australia. And so he, he and his family were gone for quite a while, but they did come back and he served in different capacities here until his death. And so the house, although it was built before the war, part of it anyway, uh, by a Mr. Little, uh, who had a tanyard there. And um, it's um, a, a significant building because of its age and because of its association. And I believe we're getting um, a historic road marker to, to mark that facility. We'll know for sure by this evening. Um, this block is interesting because we're here in front of what everybody my age or older would remember as the home hardware building. It's the Stockard building, built in 1908. Started out as the Arlington Hotel was here, uh, except for this block. This, this corner alley here was White Scarver Funeral Home and, uh, and furniture. And then the next uh, three blocks and then eventually, or very soon after, the final fourth stall became um, a beloved institution on Main Street, it was called um, People's Grocery, and it was Tuck and Lucille uh, Farnsworth and, and his sister, and they ran this wonderful little home grocery. There were little, home gro little local groceries all over town, on every corner, every block practically had their own little store, and so that was interesting. And Home Hardware then occupied it in the 1940s. It had been after the hotel. It was Sexton's um, um, general merchandise store. By that time, by the 1930s, the, the funeral home had moved up into one of the houses. There's actually a house buried behind this corner here. And they, they had moved into there. And then in the late 1930s, they bought the UG Young house on Canal Street, the big house, and became... Uh, White Scarver's up there until the 1970s. The theater, it's dated 1924, Mr. White. There was a fire here, uh, and where the shops at 46 Main are is about where, somewhere right in this area is where the Farnsworth house sat. It's, sat, it's interesting because when you look at early maps of Main Street or of Buchanan, um, you'll see that it's the only house that doesn't line up perpendicular to the street. It sets it askew because it was there before there was any street, you know, and it's the one that burned and took a long time. When they rebuilt then, uh, one of the interesting was, was the, Mr. White had a theater here, and very, um, it went through a lot of name changes, um, Wonderland and all these different things. Finally became, when Garland West bought it in the 1930s, it became the Colonial Theater. And they had um, very grandiose kinds of gatherings there, and they showed films. One, one film, uh, one photograph that we have of the building, it was all covered with signage about Green Pastures, which was a stage play made into a movie that came to Buckhannon. And uh, then later on, it became Cinema 5, and it's like most of our theaters now, they've turned into bars, um, unfortunately. The Art Center here is in the the um, middle building that was home hardware and the Dairy Queen our Dairy Queen is the oldest fast food and it is a National Register building now as all of Main Street um, mostly is and so um, Main Street has changed a lot at one time when it was bricked when it really went from a dirt street with rocks crossed to step across through the mud 
Um, that was done in the 1890s. They laid the brick first, and then uh, the brick streets were still evident here until after World War II in the 1940s. We have film footage looking down Main Street uh, during, uh, for the early strawberry festivals in the 1930s, and the Brick Street streets are very obvious on Main Street, as was Florida Street and College Avenue were all Brick Streets that I remember. I know I'm old, but I don't go that far back. The uh, blue building just behind the Dairy Queen is an interesting. That was the Murray's Home Bakery, and they did they sold all over Central West Virginia there, mostly bread and cakes and things. Mm -hmm. But um, that was from the early 20th century. We do have one photograph of the 10 Mile Depot with a stack of their bread boxes sitting out front that says, out to the side that says uh, Murray Bakery on it. Shannon's Hardware was here. They were right next to Home Hardware. And they were, this was mostly the Shannon, the Phillips family. Home Hardware was started by the, Mr. Stockard and Mr. Stoniker. And uh, so they were kind of in competition through the years, but never really in competition. Uh, it was just a different kind of arrangement though. And people were either, you know, uh, committed to Shannon's or they were committed to Home Hardware. Home Hardware did outlast Shannon's though, I will tell you that. And when we get down to the corner here at, uh, we, we started on the courthouse end on West Main and then we crossed over into East Main. And now we're kind of at the final corner of where um, the original of the town was laid out. It's 30 lots. And they were pretty big evidently because that's a long ways down through there when you look back. And of course, the Methodist Church sat on this corner. They had had an early building, a very early building, the old carpet church sat on Florida Street, mm -hmm. and there's a little reserved park-like thing there where the Carper family was. And then eventually they moved and they built a building on this corner, uh, yes, where City Hall is today. And in 1881 or two, they decided to build a new building, which was quite grandiose, and, and they hired an architect from um, some other town in West Virginia. His name was Draper Camden Hughes. And so he came to supervise. He didn't design the building, but he supervised the building of it. He stayed, and many of our buildings on Main Street and on our fine homes up on Canal Street were designed by, by uh, Draper Camden Hughes. So he stayed the rest of his life here. And that building lasted until the early 19-teens when the post office, which had just moved around Buchanan, sometimes it had gotten on fire within the fires and everything else, but it moved about, in the early days it was in people's homes, but eventually it, by the, I think the 1880s or 90s, sometime around in that period, 1900, it had moved into a building of its own. And so, of course, it was serving the whole county in one way or the other and um, so they needed a bigger post office so the postal service built this building um, in 1914-15 in and um, they were here until the 1960s and then they built the bigger facility on Spring Street and so City Hall came here. City Hall was actually in the alley beside the courthouse and the fire department if you know where Roston Press is 
the fire department was in that bay where the main office is, and they had to pull in or back in through the alley behind the courthouse. That's the only way. I can't imagine how long it took to get in and out of that place because, of course, they didn't have many. They only had one vehicle. And uh, then later, as they... It wasn't until the 1950s that they built the courthouse, which is the bank down on the corner now of, of um, Maine and uh, Locus, the bright red bank. And uh, they were there until they moved over here just recently. But if you look, if you look down to the north, that's North Florida Street looking uh, across to the bridge, the old Buchanan Mill sat on the left. It mysteriously burned some years ago. Um, the house that's down with the, the um, Victorian look to it, uh, which is um, a Governor's Inn bed and breakfast now, it's an interesting little story. It's the Farnsworth home, except the governor, Daniel D.T. Farnsworth, albeit he was only the governor for six days um, as the second governor of West Virginia, he never actually lived in that house. It was built about a year after he died. And, um, and we believe that perhaps maybe she spent his insurance money to build a nice grand house. I believe they had it in mind to, to build the house before he died. So I guess it was, it was legitimate to call it at least a thought of the governor's house. And um, this old building here on the right, the store, last store building we'll look at, is um, quite old too, and it served every kind of a building and every kind of a, a usage that there is. Uh, next door to it's the Knights of Pythian, and they, they're an old lodge, and the Sisters of the Pythian, or whatever what they were called, and um, I think they're still there. So, you've had a trip down Main Street. There's lots to look at if you look at trying to figure out why buildings are as they are and where, how they got where they are. And um, it's not a very big Main Street, and sometimes I refer to it as Buchanan's Toy Town Street, but it is very pretty and is well-groomed in the summertime with flowers, and a lot of people um, like it, and so do I. You've been listening to Paths Traveled, a podcast project recording tours of Buchanan, West Virginia. Our intro music is by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of these audio tours at iTunes under Paths Traveled.